let's just talk a little bit. Throughout the Bible, we're told a couple of things about prayer. One of the things that we're told is that God answers prayer. Take a look. First Chronicles 28. Let's read it together. If you go to God, come on, let's read it together. If you go to God for help, you will get an answer. Yeah. Look at the next one, Isaiah 58. When you call, the Lord will answer. Yeah. We are told um, that when we ask, God answers. But my question to you is, does it always feel that way? I mean, when you read those passages like that one in Isaiah, do you feel like, yeah, every time I call to God, he answers me? Really? Because you're different than me. (laughs) There have been times when I have prayed and it seems as though God is not answering me. Um, And and so I ask the question, what is the deal? I mean, is this false advertising? I mean, is this this not really true? What is going on? The problem is we don't fully understand the way God answers prayer. Because God answers prayer all of our prayers. He just does it in different ways. And we don't fully understand that. In fact, I want to give you today, and this is the the push of our study, I want to give you three ways that God answers prayer. So you want to have your outline out and ready to go. Um, It is front and back today. So we're covering a lot of scripture, a lot of narrative, and a lot of fill-in. So please stay with me on this and um, we'll, we'll get done together. So you need to help me, help me teach this today. So first, get this one down. God says yes when my request lines up with his plan. God says yes when my request lines up with his plan. And we love it when God says yes, don't we? How many of you love it when you pray something and God says, yes, this, it's going to happen. It's going to go. Yeah. We, we tell our friends and our family, I mean, we're like, you know, God is so awesome. Prayer is so awesome. We serve an awesome God. We're so excited. It's so easy to be excited and thrilled when the big yes comes from God. Life is great. It's so easy to trust God when he says yes. But sometimes... God says no. So get this one down. God says no when my request will make me miss out on his best. God says no when my request will make me miss out on his best. Genesis 17 is an interesting story. We read about a married couple who was unable to have children. And now they are way too old to have kids. Take a look at what happens. When Abraham was 99 years old, The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Here, let me just stop right there and tell you, we're starting a brand new series next week called Do You Know My Name? And we're going to be talking about the names of God in the Old Testament and what it means to us. So here's one. It's great to see that today. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Look what God says. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. What age was he? 99. And it says that then Abraham bowed down to the ground, (laughs) but he laughed in disbelief. 
Now look what he says. How could I become a father at the age of 100? <laughs> How can Sarah have a baby when she's 99, I'm sorry, 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your blessing. Now years before, God had told Abraham that he would have a son, but nothing happened. And so Abraham decided, I got to help God out. Nothing's happening. I got to make some things happen. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many times we've tried to do that with God. But Abraham said, I'm going to try to make this happen. And instead of letting God do it, Abraham, through another uh, woman, had an illegitimate son. And now he's telling God, God, you're too late. We're way too, have you seen my wife? We're way too old to have kids. So could you please just bless my son, Ishmael, my illegitimate son, the son that, that I made my way, could you please just bless him instead because it's not going to happen any other way. And take a look at what God says in verse 19. But God replied, what's that word? No, let's, let's do it with some emphasis here. But God replied, no. no. Look what he says. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. Which, by the way, is really interesting. Isaac, you know what it means in Hebrew? <laughs> Laughter. Anyway, I think that's just God's sarcastic, you know, the sarcasm coming out. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you've asked. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you about this time next year. So, why does God say no to us? Let me give you a couple of reasons. I believe it's because God has a better perspective than I have. You need to get that down. God has a better perspective than I have. Sometimes when I'm praying, I only see the situation from my side. I only see the situation from my perspective, from my paradigm. But God has a better perspective on things. Take a look what Hebrews 4 tells us. I love this out of the Living Bible. This is so powerful. God knows about everyone everywhere everything, say that word with me, everything is bare and wide open to, to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Wow. I, I have to tell you, I am so thankful for the times that God told me no. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. Maybe you do. Maybe some of you are like, man, Bart, I totally get what you're saying here. That job that I thought I always wanted, that person that I thought I needed to date, that I, that I needed, and now you say, yeah, thank God that those things didn't happen, right? We all have situations like that. When you look back and you realize, I'm so glad, God, you said no to me. You have a better perspective, Sometimes God will say no because God has a bigger plan than I have. Get that one down. A bigger plan. All too often we go to God with an agenda. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to go to God with some ideas of how he could accomplish what I need him to accomplish. And I actually even have step one, step two, step three. God, if you would just do it this way through this person in this time, then all the dominoes will lay out and it'll work for me. And so we tell God this. We explain it to him as if he needs an instruction manual. And God says, no, that's not the way I work. <laughs> Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways 
are far beyond anything you could imagine. The thing I notice in that verse, when, when, in God's words there, are the plurals. I mean, take a look. God's thoughts. God's ways. They're plural. See, I'm convinced that God has numerous plans for our lives, not just one. I'm convinced that God has a lot of different ways that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Hmm. He wants us to experience his best. And I need to understand that he has a bigger plan than what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, what I'm even asking for, praying for. God's plans are always better. They're always bigger. Jeremiah 29, you guys know this verse. If you've been around church and the Bible any length of time, you know that God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It's interesting that this verse was told through the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel in a time when things were terrible. Life was terrible. And God was saying to his people, I know what I'm doing, even though it doesn't feel that way. I know what I'm doing. And I've got things under control. And you do have a future and you do have a hope, even if I'm telling you no right now. And lastly, quite often God says, wait when something else needs to happen first. You need to get that one down, because this is the hardest one, I think. God says, wait, when something else needs to happen first. See, God often delays, not because he isn't answering you. It's, it's because something else needs to happen before God will move forward. But I don't know about you, <laughs> I hate the wait I would much prefer God to say no to me than wait. I hate waiting. I, I lose patience. Sometimes I think we identify and say, you know, God, I'm losing faith. No, you're not losing faith. You're losing patience. Okay? We, we just, we don't know how to wait. I identify with the Old Testament prophet named Habakkuk. Look at what his big question was. He starts off what he was writing, what he was saying. He starts it off with this. How long, O Lord? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever asked God that? God, come on. How long am I going to go through this? How long am I going to be facing this at work and in a relationship? How long am I going to feel this way? How long before you do something, God? How long? Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've felt that. Maybe you've looked for God to do something and you've wondered, how long is it going to be? If God sees what I'm going through, if God really cares about what I'm going through and what I'm feeling, if God has the power to change things and help me in what I'm going through, then why doesn't he do something now? Why doesn't he move now? That's a legitimate question. How long, God? See, I think there's a reason, though. There's a reason for the wait. We, we think that God isn't doing anything, but in actuality... God is always doing something. See, in my experience, 90% of the time God says wait is because he wants to change me. I want you to get that down. 90%, probably more, but I'm just going to give it 90% of the time. God says wait because he wants to change me. Because he wants to change you. If God is saying wait to you, if he's saying not yet, not now, to you, 
Chances are, he wants to work on you. He wants to change you. Hmm. God wants to do something in me to get me ready for what he wants to do in my life. And all too often, we think we're ready before God thinks we're ready. You know, I'm ready, God, but God is waiting for me to change. And most of the time, once I'm on track, God will move ahead. But it's it's a time where God wants to start working in my life, change in my life. For instance, you know, do you have financial difficulty right now in your life? Maybe God wants you to learn the right attitude about money first before he solves the issue. Maybe God wants you to realize that you're a manager of what you have and not an owner. Maybe God wants you to put him first uh, in your finances through tithing and things like that. If, if you get this right, then God will help you out. It's kind of the way he works. Maybe there's a problem in your marriage. Maybe God's saying, first, you need to change. Stop asking me to change your spouse. Let's work on you first. <laughs> Maybe there's a problem with your boss, your coworkers. You know what God is saying? Let me change you first. Let me change your perspective. Let me change your heart. Let me change your mind first before we start working on the circumstances around you. See, there are only, I think, there are only a few times when God will really work on the circumstances first. 90% or more of the times, God wants to work on me, wants to work on you. And that's why he's saying, wait, slow down, not yet, not now. Let me do what I want to do. Hmm. See, I think one out of 10 times though, 10% of the time, God says, wait, because he needs to change my circumstances. See, I, it's, it's because God is far more concerned about you than he is about your circumstance. He wants to make a difference in your life. He wants to change your life before he ever works on things around you. And I'll, let me give you a little secret here, okay? This is something that I've learned. I haven't mastered it yet, but I have learned it. And a, a lot of the times I become aware of it. Sometimes I'm ignorant of it, but I, I've, I've discovered that if you want to speed up the process, okay, if God is saying, wait, or not yet, or not now, or hold on to you right now, if you want to speed up the process, if you want to speed things up like I do a lot, if you want to speed things up, let me tell you what you need to do. Instead of praying, Lord, change the situation. Instead of praying, Lord, change that person. Change this, change that. Instead of praying that, you know what you need to pray? Lord, change me. I'm open. Just like the songs we sang, I'm open. Arms wide open. You know, I surrender to you. All to you. Holding nothing back, God. Change me. If you want to speed up this process, if you want to, if you want to get God to say yes to you instead of wait to you, let him change you. Be open to that. So, so what are some ways that you and I need to change? How, how do we need to change in our lives? I want you to get these two things down. First off, I must be willing to let God answer in his time. Say that with me. In his time. Let's say it again. In his time. Yeah. His schedule, his agenda, his timeline, whenever God thinks it's time. And this is exactly what I don't like about waiting. Anybody else like me in that? (laughs) 
I, man, it is so hard for me to surrender to God's timing. I struggle with that. Maybe you do too. Because so often I, I'm convinced that God is slow. Sometimes I think he's too slow. He's not, but it's the way it feels. It's hard to surrender to that because I want to do things now. See, my problem is, this is just confession. Can I just do that today? I want to control the when. And maybe you're like that. I want to control it. Okay, if, if, if I'm already feeling the what, I want to control the when. I want to, I want to control when it happens. And most of the time, I want it to happen now. Because I think I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, not really. At least God's still working on me. Maybe he's working on you too. See, I, I think this was Zachariah's issue. Take a look. Another couple that couldn't have kids. It says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. These were good people following God with their whole heart. It says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Here we are again. Old couple, couldn't have any kids, didn't have any kids. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple as was the custom of the priest. Zechariah was a priest. He was chosen to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense to the Lord. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. So, so just imagine, you come to serve at our church, at Pathway Church, in whatever area of ministry that you serve in, and, and right when you're serving right there, all of a sudden an angel of God just disappears, standing next to you. And, and you realize, oh, it's an angel, right? I mean, have you ever, it's, an, it's an angel. Now, I don't know about you, but I would listen. If an angel, I've never had an angel appear to me. But if an angel's going to appear to me like that, and I know it's an angel, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And, and so the angel appears right there to him. And what happens is Zechariah becomes overwhelmed with fear when he sees this angel. I probably would too. Okay. I really don't think angels are, you know, really cute little guys with these little fairy, you know, fairy wings, feathery wings, little halo, you know, hey, you know, no, it's not that way. And so he was overwhelmed with fear. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. Look what he says. God has heard your what? Prayer. Wait, wait, wait. God has heard your prayer. Okay. We already know that they were too old. They hadn't had kids up to that point. Stay with me here. Do you think they were no longer praying the prayer? Do you think they had given up? Would you have given up? We're past time of conception and conceiving and having kids. We're, we're, way, we're way past that, like Abraham and Sarah. We're, we're way past this. Do, do you think you would have stopped praying to have kids? Chances are you would have. And this angel comes along and he says, God has heard your prayer. Hmm. Your wife will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he 
will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even beyond, uh, before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? For I am an old man now. And have you seen my wife? Why didn't Zechariah believe what the angel said? Because he had stopped praying the prayer. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't record it, but I, I, I would have said something like, what prayer? Well, the one about you wanting a son. Oh, that one. Wow, that was a long time ago that I prayed that prayer. Right? Do you see the timing of this? In his time. Zechariah said, I'm an old guy. My wife, don't tell her that I said this, but she's well along in years. In essence, he's saying, we gave up on that hope a long time ago. We, we didn't think it was going to happen. Something you need to realize, friends. God hears our prayers instantly, but often there's a delay in his answer. There's no problem with your prayers getting through, but sometimes there's a delay. And the thing that you and I need to, to realize and grasp is that God's delay doesn't mean God's denial. It doesn't mean that he's saying no to you. It doesn't mean that he's not doing anything on your behalf. He's still working. And unfortunately, Zechariah didn't believe the angel. So the angel said to him, do you realize who I am? He didn't say it that way. He said, I am Gabriel. <laughs> but he could have said, do you realize who I am? I was sent to bring you this news. But because you won't believe me. You'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time, in his time. God's timing is always perfect. God is never in a hurry and never late. And I know that's not a fill in the blank, but you may want to write that down. God is never in a hurry. He's never going as fast as I would like for him to go. He is never in a hurry. In fact, have you ever noticed when you read through Jesus when he was on earth in his ministry? Jesus was never in a hurry. I mean, there were several situations, and I don't even have it on our notes, but, but in John chapter 11, there was a situation where one of his best friends was dying, and, and his sister sent word to Jesus and said, the one you love, Lazarus, is dying. Please come, because you're the one that can make him better. You're the one that can heal him. And you know what Jesus says? Let's stay here a while, guys. We'll go there soon. And so when they do show up, Lazarus was already in the grave for four days. And the old version, King James Version of the Bible, it says he was in the grave so long that he stinketh. Okay? And we know what that means. He was starting to decompose. And Jesus did a miracle. 
and said to Lazarus, come out of the grave. And he did. There was another situation where Jesus was not in a hurry. He was going through the crowd and this guy came and he said, my daughter is sick. She's going to die if you don't come and heal her. Would you please come to my house and lay hands on her and heal her? And Jesus said, sure, I'll go. And so they're just on their way through the crowd. And there was this woman in the crowd that was dealing with a, a bleeding issue. And, and she reached out her hand and she took hold of Jesus' robe and she was healed instantly. And so there was this delay. And he said, he turned to Peter in the crowd and he goes, who touched me? And so they had to discover who this woman was that touched him. She, Jesus said, something just happened. I want to talk to this lady. We're, we're stopping the process to go to Jairus' house regarding his daughter to help this woman here. And I'm sure that Jairus is off to the side like, come on, my daughter is dying. You got to get there. I don't care who this woman is. Just let her go. She's healed. She's taken care of. Come on, come on, come on. Pete, come on. We got to get this thing going. And as they're standing there, guess what? People come to Jairus and they say, Jairus, it's too late. Your daughter died. Just, just don't bother Jesus anymore. It's too late. And in that moment, Jesus turns to Jairus. You know what he says? He says, don't be afraid. Basically, I've got this under control. We're doing this in my timing. And so he goes to Jairus' house and he heals this girl. He brings her back to life. Hmm. Timing. Timing. God is never in a hurry. He's never late. Don't ever think that you're going to miss the opportunity. Don't ever think that you're going to miss your chance that the window, the door is going to close and you're going to miss it. This is God we're talking about. And if you are trusting in God's plan, God's plan, that you will not miss what, you're, what God is intending for you to experience in your life. You won't miss it. He's never in a hurry, but he's never late. Get this one down. Another way I need to change is I must be willing to let God answer in his way. And again, this is hard. You know why? Because I want to do things my way. Bring out Frank Sinatra. Let's sing the song together, right? Okay. I want to do it my way. And I know a lot of you, you are just like me in this. We want to do it our way. You know why? <laughs> because we want to control the how. We not only want to control the when, when it happens, we want to control how it happens. We think we've got this all figured out, at least I do, and in my ignorance, I fail to realize that God often delays so that he can do something bigger and better than what I'm asking for. How do I know this? Because Jesus tells us this. This is a passage that we've looked at in this series. Luke 11, Jesus says, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? Don't you love how much more? Don't you love that? How much more? Wow. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. This is one of my favorite verses. I have a list of like 10 life verses, and this is one of them. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared 
for those who love him. So let's just think about Zachariah and Elizabeth here for just a moment. What would have happened in their life if God would have answered their request to have a baby immediately? What would have happened? What would they have gotten? A cute little Jewish baby boy, baby girl, whatever, you know. They they would have loved this baby dearly, I'm sure. They, They would have cherished this baby. It would have been great. They've always wanted a baby. But God delayed the answer for their request for years, decades, till they were too old. It was impossible. And what did God do? He answered their prayer when it was impossible and gave them a baby who would be the forerunner of Jesus. The one person who got to point to Jesus and say, behold, the Lamb of God, here he is, the chosen one, God's son in the flesh. That's what John got to do. Because God delayed the request. He didn't just give Zachariah and Elizabeth just some any old baby. He gave them John the baptizer. John the Baptist. I think we ask for too little and we want it too quick. We want to drive up to McPrayer window and hear God say, hi, welcome to McPrayer. May I take your order? And we say, yeah, I think I'll take an answer to my prayer and a Coke on the side. And we expect God to say, okay, pull up to the next window and I'll serve you. It doesn't work like that. Instead of letting God work in his time or or letting God work in his way, we want fast food. And you know what God has in mind? An all-you-can-eat buffet. And, And I know that I don't believe big enough. You probably don't either. I don't don't pray big enough. I don't ask big enough. One of my favorite New Testament verses challenges me to ask big. Ephesians 3.20, the Apostle Paul says, God can do much, much more than anything we could ask or imagine. I don't ask big enough. I don't believe big enough. I'm so glad that God didn't give me what I asked for because I wouldn't have, I would have gotten shortchanged. I don't know if you've ever looked back on things that you've prayed for. I have, and I've realized, man, I, I could have I got so shortchanged in this deal. God had so much more for me, and I didn't realize it at the time. His answer is so much greater than what I was asking for. Leonard Ravenhill is a guy, an author that I have read multiple things that he has written. And one of the things that has stuck with me ever since Bible college is this phrase, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. Hmm. And God says that to you and me today. Are you leaving the choice to him? Let God answer in his time, in his way, One of the greatest examples of this is a guy that I've already been quoting today, the Apostle Paul. (laughs) I mean, Paul Paul let his 
let God answer his prayers in his own time and in his way. He let God do his thing. He let God make the choice. I mean, notice the, the, the opening verses of Paul's letter to Jesus' followers in the city of Rome, which in that time, Rome, the, the city of Rome was like the most um, influential, most significant city in the known world at that time. And this is what Paul writes to Jesus' followers that are living there. Look what he says. To all of you in Rome whom God loves, I pray that I will be allowed to come to you and this will happen if God wants it. He's saying... If, if in God's time and in God's way, if God allows it, God, I'm letting God make the choice. I really want to come to you in Rome. It, Paul believed that, that great things could happen, that he could have huge influence in the city of Rome. His, his desire, his one goal was to preach in Rome. And there's no telling how many times Paul probably packed his suitcase and said, man, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And God is like, oh, no, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You're not going yet. Not yet. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got my bags. I'm, I'm ready to go. No, no, not yet. Hold on. He wanted to do it more than anything else. I know this because Romans 15, look at the end of the letter that he wrote to the Romans. Look what he says. My visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching to these other places, but now I've finished my work in these regions. And after all these years of what? Waiting. <laughs> I am eager to visit you. I'm eager to come. I beg you to help me in my work by praying for me. Then, if God wants me to, I'll come to you. So did God ever answer Paul's prayer to be able to go to Rome? Yeah, he did. But I want you to notice how he did it. <laughs> the, the writer Luke tells us, he says, when we actually entered Rome... They let Paul live in his own private quarters with a soldier who had been assigned to guard him. Let me give you the context. Through a series of events, Paul got to the city of Rome <laughs> under house arrest by the Roman government. Now, I'm not... I'm pretty sure that that's not Paul's plan. He, I'm pretty sure that Paul did not plan to be a prisoner in Rome. I think he wanted to be a preacher in Rome, right? I'm pretty sure he wanted to be free and not on house arrest. Paul wanted to go to, to Rome to preach, but guess what he ended up doing? While Paul was in Rome under house arrest, he had a lot of time on his hands. And so he decided, you know what? I've got all this time. I might as well take advantage of it. I'm going to start writing letters to all the different Jesus followers in, in cities all over the Mediterranean. All these churches that I have planted and others, I'm going to start sending these letters to all of these believers. And later these letters, guess what? Were put together and they make up most of what we know as the New Testament. Colossians. If you look in the table of contents in your Bible, Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians, Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, all these letters, 13 books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul, possibly 14 if you consider Hebrews to be written by Paul as well. There's only 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote like half of the New Testament 
while he was a prisoner in Rome. (laughs) We have the New Testament because Paul let God answer in his timing and in his way. I mean, honestly, this is just me thinking this. I think Paul was such an on-the-go person that the only way God could get him to slow down enough to write was to put him in jail. It's like, you know what? You, you are like hyper. You're going everywhere. I got to stop you. So, boom, you're in jail. Now write. You know why? Because he knew that Paul's letters would do so much more for the kingdom of God than his preaching in Rome would ever do. It was such a bigger, better plan. He knew it. So what is it that you're praying about? You need to ask yourself a question. Am I willing to let God answer my prayer whenever and however he chooses? Whenever and however he chooses. That's what you've got to ask yourself. Because if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to say, God, whenever you answer, however you answer, I'm okay. You will begin to see all, all that God wants to do in your life and through your life. 